0: Friends in Christ, we listen in our first reading this weekend to what is arguably one of the greatest conversion stories of the Old Testament. So the book of the prophet Jonah tells the story about Jonah the prophet who goes into the city of Nineveh, preaches one sentence, and in a single day converts the entire city They all turn back to God. Now, before we go praising the preaching campaign of Jonah, it's important to understand the whole story. If you read the book of the prophet Jonah, which is only four chapters long, you could read it in one sitting. You know, first and foremost, Jonah himself is flawed. He's a reluctant prophet. He's not the messenger that we could ultimately want to be. Secondly, the message he preaches is ultimately incomplete. And finally, we could question the longevity, the effects of the conversion of the people of Nineveh. So beginning with the prophet himself, in the opening chapter, God calls him to go to Nineveh But Jonah goes in the opposite direction. He he doesn't want to follow through. He doesn't want to bring God's word to the Ninevites. And there are several reasons for that. First and foremost, the city of Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians are the vowed enemies of the people of Israel. Jonah does not want to go to them. Secondly, The Ninevites were renowned for their debauchery, their sinfulness. It would make the other nations around them shudder to hear of the things that were done in that place. But ultimately, the reason why Jonah doesn't want to go to the Ninevites is because he's afraid that if he goes and brings God's message to them, they'll listen to it. They'll change God will have mercy on them. And Jonah doesn't want that. He he wants them to be destroyed. In fact, we know that once he goes in the opposite direction, he's swallowed up by the whale. He spends three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, is spat up on shore, finally does what God wants. The, The city is converted, and he gets angry. He says, I knew... God was going to do this. And so the messenger himself is flawed. The message, secondly, is incomplete. And so he says, 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, it's a message of fear. You're going to die. The game is over. And so the nation converts. It's not the full message of what God wants us to receive in order to change. Certainly fear can work. It's effective. But we'll learn in the gospel there's so much more that God uses to motivate us to change. And finally, we learn that there's not longevity in the conversion of the Ninevites. We don't hear today that the city of Nineveh is particularly virtuous, that they have followed the ways of God. How different in our gospel this weekend, in the gospel of Mark, the opening chapter, Jesus comes out as the messenger, he who is perfect because he's God. And unlike Jonah, who receives the word of God that comes to him, Jesus is the word he is the message he is the word incarnate and his message is complete it is perfect he says this is the time of fulfillment this is the time of fulfillment there are two words in the greek language for time the first one is chronos. It's the seconds and the minutes and the hours that pass over on a clock. Forty days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. That's chronos, time moving forward. It's not the word Christ uses in the gospel this weekend. The word for time that he uses is kairos, the time. Of fulfillment it's translated as the opportune time the appointed time kairos is God's time it's the time of mercy it's the time of grace it's the time that we encounter God he says this is the time of fulfillment the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel That's the message this weekend. And we're told about the effects of that message that Peter and Andrew, James and John, were converted. And there are lasting effects to that conversion. It goes well beyond their own lifetime and spreads out over 2,000 years. We are here today, Because Peter and Andrew, James and John, heard the message of the gospel and converted. And they shared that message with the world as they knew it. This weekend, God comes into our lives. This is our Kairos moment. We can encounter the Lord today. But we're warned by St. Paul in our second reading this weekend That that moment of grace, that opportunity to encounter God will not last forever. The kairos, St. Paul says, time is running out. He says those with wives should act as if they didn't have them. Those who are weeping should act as if they were not weeping. Those who rejoice as if they were not rejoicing. Because the world as we know it, says St. Paul, is passing away. This world is changing. Things will not last forever the way they are now. We must encounter God now and enter into that relationship. The Kairos moment is here now. It suggests there are three ways we can encounter God In this present time, the first one is what we're doing here today that we encounter Him in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. This is a kairos moment. The Lord comes to us in the blessed sacrament of the Eucharist. We listen to Him in the proclamation of the Word, we enter into union with Him in Word and sacrament. And that's the high point of our week. Secondly, we encounter God when we order our Kronos to a life of prayer. We make time for God each and every day. We spend intimate time trying to listen to what the Lord is saying. Speaking our own words to Him, communicating with Him on a daily basis allows us to encounter the living God. And finally, In our everyday lives, in our workplace, in the family, in our relationships, there are kairos moments, moments where God is breaking through. Are we open to the encounter that God wants us to have with him? Because in the words of Christ in the gospel this weekend, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel.